When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I feel like there's truth to all rumors, you know. I mean, no matter how you dress it up, um, I won't be saying nothing on it. I won't be speaking on it at all. Uh, but there's truth to all rumors, I guess. I mean, I haven't had any uh, interviews where though I've stated my emotions on how I feel or whatever state I was in. So uh, you talk to me about those reports. I don't know who said it. So you're not, you're not satisfied with the honesty? I mean, um... The, the space that we're in right now is definitely it's a lot of question. Um, I can't sit up here and act like everything is uh, everything is okay. It's obviously not. But um, what I can say is, at this point, just trying to work through it. Okay, welcome into Purple Daily. There is a football game this Sunday, and uh, Stefan Diggs says that he is going to play in said game, and uh, we have a lot to discuss here with his press conference. We will also talk at some point about the Giants and former Viking offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles will join Alex Boone and I at 320 to talk a little offensive line play. But uh, tell me, Alex, are there truth in all rumors? really makes you think. There must be. I mean, <laughs> this guy, you you couldn't have just stuck a dagger in your own team like you just did right there. Like, you could have just squashed it and been like, listen, we're on to next week, okay? I wasn't feeling good. I'm back. I'm ready to go. Instead, you sit up there with your hoodie all tied up real close to your face like a 12-year-old and you cry about it. Well, maybe there's a little truth. I mean, dude, you want in or out? I mean, that always bothered me. Does that not bother you as a fan that you're like, really? You just get to up and go when you want to. Like, you have no say in how this is going to go. Oh, the team's not doing good. You want to go? You know what, honey? You go. You just you do what you want. You cry yourself a little pity party. Does that ever bother you, Collier? Um, well, I'm just kind of here for the show. But I think if you are <laughs> uh, a fan of the Vikings and you're looking at this situation, you're probably blaming just about everyone. Like, this... this press conference was certainly agitating i'm sure to everyone because like you said he's sort of insinuating a bunch of stuff and i tried at our website scorenorth.com to parse through all of those little nuggets that he dropped along the way about how he feels but you're right i kind of expected him to go up there and say look i was sick yesterday and uh that's why i wasn't here and that's all i'm saying to you guys and i'm ready for next week that's what i expected because that's kind of what you would normally see in this situation but in 
instead it was, well, there's truth to the rumors, but I'm not going to tell you how much. And I didn't demand a trade, but I'm not going to tell you if my agent demanded a trade and, and on and on and on. So I think what you leave Vikings fans with is more confusion than anything about where this is going to go. And it sounds like from your perspective, Alex, that you leave teammates with some severe cases of eye rolls in the, at the, uh, the, the rest of the locker room. More than eye rolls. Like, dude, just get out. As a fan and as a teammate, get out. What the, I'm, you don't want these guys on your team. I never wanted them as teammates. There is nothing right now that says that you can't turn around and still take the North. Dude, we're four games in, and you're already mm-hmm. like Jalen Ramsey. I want to. I want out. I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to be on this team anymore. Okay, first of all, it's a great team. Okay, it's totally stacked. You just got one little problem, and there's ways around that problem. And that's what I think everyone's forgetting is that everyone's just going to jump this ship and say, "Hey, listen, it's all his fault. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I'm done. I'm out. Get rid of me." You can't do that as a teammate. I look at you like, really? All that hard work we just put in, you're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. All that work we put in together that we did, all that film study, all that preparation, everything's just out the drain because we're two and two. Like As a teammate, I don't see you as a teammate anymore. I see you as almost the enemy. Who are you working for? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, you know what? It strikes me that both you and Sage Rosenfels, the guys who have played in the NFL, have a bit of a different way of looking at these things than reporters would. Because I... I would look at it as kind of, hey, from his perspective, he has had to play second fiddle here, and then uh, he's expecting to be the superstar receiver, and he's expecting to drive success on offense, but they're 31st in passing. They've lost two key games in the NFC North because they couldn't pass the football. And you have a quarterback who has alienated now two out of two star receivers at different times, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this from from his, trying to look at it from all perspectives, I can definitely see teammates, like you're saying, looking at him going, all right, man, well, we've got 12 more games to play, so stop creating this huge distraction. But I could also look at it from his perspective and say, if this guy believes that he should be a number one receiver catching 100 balls and being playing toward his second contract, which could be enormous if he continued to put up 100 receptions, then it's got to be extremely frustrating when your head coach comes out and says, yeah, we basically want to run Delvin Cook, and uh, we're very scared of Kirk throwing it. Listen, you're making, what, $75 million? What are you bitching about? Yeah. What are you you crying about? You're fumbling the ball in a game. You have the audacity to fumble the ball in the last game and that week you come out and go no nah, i'm good i don't need to practice i want out i'd be like dude how about you do this how about you turn around and leave the locker room now before it gets messy i don't care who you are at some point somebody has to take a stand right you got all these players going all willy-nilly now because everybody thinks they get to do what they want we're two and two i'm done i don't want to do this oh you don't good leave so leave. i yeah, and and I definitely get that, but I also think that his sentiments could be shared by other people in the locker room. I mean, Kyle Rudolph today, can we play him talking about how he loves blocking? I'd, I'd love to hear Do that. It. Go ahead, I John. know for me it's a lot of fun because no one thinks I can block. Uh, so to go out there and uh, to not give up a sack to Cleo Mack and block Leonard Floyd and um, you know oh. Cleveland Farrell, the number four overall pick in the draft, um, you know, no one expects me to do that. Everyone knows I can run around and catch balls. So, um, you know, when, when they turn on the tape and you see 82 blocking, you know, you kind of take a step back because you're not used to seeing that. Um, but I've had a lot of fun the last couple of weeks going out there and blocking. I mean, uh, and just trying, again, because that's what it's going to take for us to win football games. Uh, and that's what they're asking me to do. This is where we're at right now. But you know what? He had, listen, 
For as nonsense as that was, because <laughs> I saw him getting driven back in the backfield by 52 yeah. uh, all day on playside zones. Okay, Rudy, listen, the reason it didn't get to the outside was because of your block. But we're not going to talk about that. It's just these guys, they have all these sayings, and here's here, I'm watching Diggs right now talk about it. Oh, you know, there's truth in rumors. But Rudy finished it great. That's what they asked me to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. That's a good teammate. That's a guy that's like, hey, listen, I get the situation we're in. No one's going to miraculously come save us right now, so we're either going to save ourselves or everyone's just going to jump off this ship. What Rudy's trying to do is say, hey, listen, I can catch balls, but I'm not complaining. I'll run block, and yeah, what's he going to do? Get up there and say, hey, I suck at run blocking? Like He's trying to at least change the narrative into something else. And then he finishes it up with, and I'm okay with that because that's how we win. So that's that's what he said, and just how Adam Thielen went and tried to do damage control on Kirk Cousins' podcast, that's what he said. But when we're really reading between the lines and looking at the situation, I mean, no one believes that Kyle Rudolph is thrilled to block Khalil right. Mack. Well, what a great time I had on Sunday. Thanks, oh, everyone. Blasty blast. uh, would yeah, you no. rather uh, eat cake or get hit by a car? No, I love getting hit by a car. It's fine. I, uh, whatever it takes for the team. There's no way he's happy. He wasn't happy last year he made it clear he wasn't happy last year because he didn't think he was getting enough catches and he was getting way more than this and then Thielen week 17 is losing his mind on the sideline and yelling at Kirk Cousins and of course he comes out later and says no no guys greatest conversation I've ever had with another human being it was so so helpful to have the, us yelling at each other on the sideline it's like so what you have here is you have two guys who clearly want to get the ball more and are agitated with the situation and then another guy who also also, same boat, except for the other guy is making it a little more known and being a little more forward-facing about it. And I could see where your agitation would be, Alex, as a, as a player, saying, yeah, yeah, Rudy, why don't you just go up there and pretend you're fine and not try to make a headline out of this thing, as opposed to Diggs, who's now you know on the scroll of every ESPN and NFL network. So I can understand that. But it's almost like, did someone have to send a message here? I mean, this passing game is 31st in the league. Last time I checked, you ain't winning anything with the 31st-ranked passing game. No, I agree. And w- w- why even send people anymore to the podium? Why not just do what the Patriots do and just be like, no, we're, we're not. <laughs> Can you send uh, Diggs and Thielen? No, we're not. Why? Because well, we're could. not. You could, but that doesn't generally work because Diggs uh, ignored the media for the last two weeks, which was a tip-off that something was wrong. So but, it, it doesn't exactly work. I mean, Diggs has always been a guy who I think sort of struggles to go up there and give you the Kyle Rudolph. You know, right. Kyle has done this many, many times and he's gone through a lot and he knows how to present himself like he's being the leader guy and the face of the franchise guy. That's not really Diggs' personality. So what I saw was a guy up there struggling to not say anything, but also to answer the questions. And it was really hard for him. I looked at him at one point, just sort of, at, you know, at his hairline and he's like pouring sweat up there, like trying to sort of give you some type of answer, but try not to answer it. Say he didn't demand a trade, but not really because he's clearly not happy. And I mean, in a way, I wish he had done the Jalen Ramsey. I wish he had gone up there and said, yeah, you know what? I am really tired of this because that's what everyone is going to think anyway. So if he had been a little more straightforward about it, I guess trying to play the middle puts you in the worst spot in a situation like this, I think. 
I agree with what you're saying, and I think that he would have been better had he done the Jalen Ramsey. I think it would have been better had he done it more professional. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. a hoodie on, not tied up around your mouth, not sure. sitting there side to side, acting like a child. Like, okay, listen, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to have to say this. Okay, but I'm not going to tell you, but it's important that you know that you don't know. Listen, you're either happy or you're not. And if you're not happy, that's fine. As a teammate, I can respect that. Hey, are you happy? No, we're losing. Nobody's happy. What is there to be happy about? Right. It doesn't have the narrative doesn't have to be about you, Diggs. What do you benefit by going up there and saying, I want out? Now everybody in the locker room looks at you like, really? You just went and did that? We have a mountain of problems on our hands, and you've just went and made the biggest avalanche because you think that you're so important to this team that you can't not fumble during the game. That's that important to you. And not only that, taking your helmet off to prove what? Yeah, yeah. The, pen- not, the penalty was problematic you know what? too. Yeah, you're incredible, dude. You really are. That you're going to go out there and cause all these problems, and turn around and go. You know what? It's his fault. Because at the end of the day, at least I can respect Rudy saying, "Hey, I'm doing what I'm asked to do." There's your answer. I can respect that, Rudy. That's a tough question, and you went out and you answered it somewhat honestly. I respect that. And you know, you know what I think the, too about this dig situation and the things that you mentioned. The fumble was, you know, what are you going to do? It's not like he fumbles all the time, but the Still. taking off the helmet though is is uh, something that he was called, I think, uh, immature or something like that by. Uh, Mike Zimmer, after doing it, which you and I have talked extensively about Zimmer at the podium, um, tending to say a little bit too much. And that was probably one of those cases as well where he should have said nothing about what Diggs did there and still, you know. It's funny you bring that up because this is all kind of – on Tuesday we had talked about how, you know, Zim treats the quarterback differently than the entire other 52 guys Mm -hmm. on the team. And so now all of a sudden I'm wondering if this team isn't starting to see it and they're starting to lash back out like, hey, listen – I'm okay as long as when we come in here for the film session, you give him the same juice you just gave me. Sure. Because he's the one throwing the ball, and I'm the one trying to catch it but having a guy draped on my back. So, like, who's really responsible here? You know? And if you can do that, then I'm okay with that. But if you're going to keep treating him like he's special and we can't yell at Kirk because he's going to cry, well, then i got to go. And then if that's the case, then, Diggs, you're still kind of doing it wrong. You're making this way more than it has to be. I mean, doesn't it feel like... Everything comes back to these two, though, with Zimmer yeah. and, and Theo, or not Theo, Zimmer and, and Cousins, because w- with the Zimmer part of it, him doing a hostile offensive takeover and deciding, <laughs> no, no, we're, we're throwing this back to 1986. And it was amazing. <laughs> Pat Shermer was on the conference call and everyone asked, oh, Pat, what do you remember about Minnesota? Did you love it there? And he said, well, you know, it was actually uh, kind of interesting to be somewhere that was such a throwback that wanted to run the ball and play defense. It's like, oh, wow. Really? What like a backhand you know, compliment that is. And so Zimmer, you know, hands his offense over to Filippo, who wants to be modern and throw the ball all the time. And then he says, no, that's not working good enough. So you're fired. We're going to do it my way. We're going to hand the ball off. We're going to get Joe Morris and Rodney Hampton in here and hand the ball off all the time and, and, and throw it 10 times a game. And that's how we want to win. And then you have a quarterback who could have easily won both of those NFC North games with just a slightly decent performance as opposed right. to abysmal backup quarterback level or worse play. I have to say or worse since a backup beat him. Um, <laughs> and, and if you're Stephon Diggs and you're Adam Thielen and you're Kyle Rudolph, you have to be looking at this going, Mike Zimmer, what the hell? 
Yeah. Kirk Cousins, what the hell? Like, Kirk, how about you find me when I'm wide open? If we're only going to throw 12 passes a game, you better find me on the ones where I'm open. And, and that was, you know, in Chicago, when I went back and looked at the game tape, it was astonishing how many times Diggs and Thielen were open or, or there were balls that could have been thrown to one-on-one coverage. I mean, there's, there's one. I wish I knew the exact route combination off the top of my head, uh, but where it's intentionally set up to draw in the safety. He comes in toward Kyle Rudolph, and there's Diggs running one-on-one down down the sideline. That's a great play for him. He he makes that all the time, and Kirk checks down to somebody. And it's like, at at some point, I mean, I I can totally get it. So I I fully understand what you're saying, and I I would not um, uh, take any blame away from Diggs. He signed the contract. They're 2-2. and The season is not over. Go out and play football. Come on, man, right? But then the other side of it is, there's a lot of alienation that has gone on on the offensive side from pretty much everyone, from Zimmer to Cousins to how the front office built this team. I mean, if Diggs doesn't play on Sunday, B.C. Johnson is your number 2 wide receiver. How does that happen? So there's a lot of blame to go around. Right, and you got a lot of problems. And we haven't even brought up the O.C. Like The more I think about this, the more I'm like, you know what, listen, Kirk is who he is. You can't blame a guy for what he is. He has always been that guy. He's like... Spielman brought him in thinking, listen, we're going to put all these pieces around him and we're going to elevate his game. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, you just can't elevate some people's game. They just can't see the field the way you want them to. Yep. Right? Like, OCs always say, you just can't see the field the way I want you to. And you're like, well, paint a picture for me, dude. Show me how you want me to see this. And sometimes they make sense and sometimes they don't. And sometimes the quarterback's like, man, that's just not feasible. Like, I just can't do that. I can't check from one to two to three to four that quick. And sometimes you start getting him rattled, and then he gets into bad patterns. But when I'm looking around, I'm starting to think, man, this is like Filippo all over again. We're trying to be too creative once again. Like, we get into this tough game, and all of a sudden everyone starts biting their nails. Oh, my God, we're in Chicago. We're in the Monsters of the Midway. This is going to be a tough game. It's, we're nail biters right now. We're 7 nothing. We're Let's abandon the run, and we'll go over here, but we'll come back. But we never really did. You should just keep going. You have to trust exactly what your identity is. We are a smash-mouth team. We are going to run the ball. If you don't like it, you have to go. I'm sorry. We're, this is The quarterback cannot leave. No matter what you say, the quarterback cannot go. Number one, because nobody will take him. And number two, because you can't just get rid of him, can you? No, you, you can't. Can not, you? not in the situation you're in now. No, you can't. He's your quarterback. No, but I'm saying after this year. Can um, you? After this year, it would be possible only if he waived a no trade. Then he, you know, if you... If you found somebody who wanted to trade for him and he agreed to it, then No, that's what I'm saying. Possible, like nobody's going to trade for that cap. That's right. right. Unlikely. So, I mean, use the what you have. All these guys are talking about how they were chomping at the bit to be an OC. Okay, Stefanski, you're an OC. This is not what I expected. I expected to see more. I expected to see more advanced. I'm just seeing what? A bunch of wide zones. A bunch of routes that people keep telling you, stop running. You cannot hit these deep routes. You need to shorten up your offense, and then you can start going deep. And now, doesn't it feel like, too, that Stefanski, who has been around quite a bit, um, you know, was here with Childress, was here with Shermer, people who have had a lot of success on offense, and yet he was given a um, a guardian for the offense in Gary <laughs> Kubiak, right? I mean, so even, here's your big brother. This is just. Something that's sort of been out there, I'll put it that way, you know, a little bit of buzz of like, well, you know, Stefanski's got ideas and everyone likes Stefanski and thinks he's very smart and clever and would want to advance this thing to 2019, but he's being restricted is no. the way that it's been sort of put to me. 
I don't believe that for one bit because Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman know exactly how hot that seat is. And if you think Gary Kubiak's name's not being attached to this, you're absolutely wrong. Like when you leave the NFL, you and you people are like, you know, that was a coach. I mean, Gary Kubiak, he was a good coach. Mm-hmm. When you step your foot back into that water, you just ask John Gruden how tough it gets. People go, hey, man, you were out. You could have been done. Right. And nobody would have said your name again. And they would have said great things about you and that he was a tough coach and that he had great philosophy. But when you take a 1990s coach and you bring him into the modern era, you really don't know what you're doing. Because this game has evolved so much from what Gary Kubiak knows. And not only that, but now his name's being dragged into it. And now everyone's going, well, who are we really blaming? Because there's like 10 people that we could blame, so maybe we <laughs> right. just got to get rid of everybody. And then we got a real problem, because when you do a fire sale, look at Miami. I'm sorry, but you got to go. Yeah, and um, <laughs> to uh, quote Jay-Z, it was all good just a week ago. It was. I mean, it, it really was. It really Things was. Fast. It really was. I mean, okay, it wasn't perfect uh, after they beat the Raiders, but 2-1, and one, and it looked it like, good. all right, move along forward right. to this next game, and... And it really can change incredibly fast. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Um, I, I wrote my five takeaways from Diggs's press conference. We can go through those a little more in depth. But I also want to ask you, um, I'm going to give you some options, and you can give me odds of how this thing plays out. Matthew sure. Collar, Alex Boone, you are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. I've had conversations with everybody at this point. Um, everybody. Um... I, like I said, I met with everybody. So, Stefan Diggs holding one heck of a press conference today. Uh, very um, confusing, and everyone came away sort of confused, flustered, um, trying to you figure out what exactly what was said there. Yeah, I think so. I think I was pretty confused. I was like, okay, what exactly are we supposed to take away from that? But I did attempt to... Um, get it all out there uh, on scorenorth.com in the center of the page if you want to see the highlights from what uh, Stefan Diggs said. So let me throw Alex Boone a, a couple of scenarios at you, and you tell me which one you think is the most likely. Let's do it. Um, is it most likely that A, Stefan Diggs gets traded, B, that this all gets resolved with 10 nice catches and a big win over the New York Giants and a big win over Philly. And then this team gets its wheels going like they have in the past after going two and two and they succeed. And we forget this ever happened. Or three, uh, Diggs continues to grind it out. He gets 50 catches or so and he's unhappy. And in the offseason, it's addressed in some different sort of fashion. Which one of those things do you think is the most likely outcome for this? 
Listen, I think that you can't really talk too far down the line. I think that in terms of this week, I think they go out there and they say, hey, listen, dude, we're going to get you the ball 20 times, okay? Let's just get through this week and we'll figure out what happens next week. Because when you're looking down the road, there are some really, really tough games ahead of you. Yes. Okay, and I'm not saying that you can even overlook the Giants because now they're saying Saquon might even come back and play this week. Because when you're looking at the Giants, the thing that scares me is called momentum. And people don't realize that when you're a football player and you've played in this league, you see the momentum of a team. I can tell by an interview if that team is winning or losing of a player because you can just see it on their face. They're either really excited and happy to be there or they're not. And they're miserable and they're Stefan Diggs with their hoodie up and they're I don't want to be here. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. Or they're like the New York players. They're like, dude, Danny Dimes is the best. This is great. I love coming to work with this guy. He wears khakis every single day. This is great. We love New York. Now, what team do I do not want to play? Yeah, no, you're, you know you're right. And uh, I was talking with a few other reporters, and we usually pick the game or whatever, who's going to win. You know, we do that too here, you and I. And uh, a lot of reporters saying, you know what, it's hard not to pick the Giants here, that the Vikings are a more talented team and the defense seems like everybody's fine over on that side of the football. Right. Um, but on this offensive side, when you not only have people trying to do their jobs in general in the NFL, it is stupendously hard, right? Like the amount right. of concentration and effort and everything else that gets put into it. And then you have this distraction, the distraction of Kirk Cousins being ripped apart by every national media outlet for apologizing to Adam Thielen and sort of coming across as maybe not being the most genuine in, in doing something like that. And, and it, it, the, the, all the noise that is going on. And, and imagine being the play caller here. I mean, if you are the, if you're the play caller, you're like, okay, well, so do I, right, do I dial up 20 passes to Diggs? But then say you're Delvin Cook. And you'd be like, oh, okay, I thought I won us a couple of football games there, but, oh, this guy complained and missed the day of practice, so now he gets 20 targets, right? Like, right. all these things working together, I mean, I think that makes it a lot harder to win. Well, that yeah, that and listen, if I'm the OC, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in the first series, I'm going to be like, listen, Diggs, Thielen, Rudy, I got you. This first series, we're going to get back to our identity because we need to show the league, number one, that we were just playing games all right? mm-hmm. and we were messing around and we're going to go have Delvin and run out there and we're going to have him kick some people around. But the second series, everybody's live. Promise. Play action. Everything's back. And play action doesn't always have to be a zone. I'm so sick of seeing a zone You're play right. action. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, change it up. Giro used to call the greatest play actions. We used to run a play action out of powder, out of counter, out of weak counter, out of weak power, out of zones, out of traps, out of whams. I mean, he was like, hey, listen, we're going to wham the nose, but then we're going to run a seven-step off of it. Is everybody good with that? Good. Let's do it. Because the defense was like, there's no way you can wham a nose and then run a seven-step fake off of that. Like, that's just not possible. g was like, bet me. Bet me right now. I'll do it. <laughs> I swear to God, half the things he decided to do was because of friends were, like, betting him, no way you could do this. <laughs> well, but it's, it, I, but that's, that's to the level of creativity that the OC needs to have going right. forward. And you need to start saying, hey, listen, these guys are getting visually and verbally upset. I need to start thinking more. I need to start, hey... Kubiak, come with me. Let's figure this out together. How can we make this an old-school team with a new-school edge? Right, And they can do it. See, this is where I wonder which way the head coach wants to lean, though, because does the head coach... You you got to stop leaning on him because you got to say, hey, listen, he's clearly had enough. He can't do it. So now you and I need to do this. And then you say, hey, Kubiak, maybe you go to Zim and say, hey, Zim, let me run this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe you... Because, I mean... 
Gary Kubiak is an extremely respected coach in this league, and even Mike Zimmer knows that. Like you, Mike, there's a there's a respect factor in every room. So when a respectable coach comes to you and says, "Hey, Mike, listen, maybe you've been meddling with Stefanski a little too much. Maybe he's kind of on edge. Maybe you let me just take over with him, and maybe the two of us can hammer out some stuff. Just give us two weeks, three weeks to get this back on track. Boom." You're done. Because in two or three weeks, if it's not fixed, I hate to tell you, but you're all gone anyways. They're not going to keep putting up with this. Well, that's the scenario. I mean, that I, I guess I didn't mention is if they do not throw Stefan Diggs the football against the New York Giants and they lose, I wonder if we see this again, only he doesn't show up on Thursday. If he just doesn't show up at all and no, says... It's time to go. I'm, I'm either trade me or I'm just going to sit out. I mean, this is something, Alex, that we're seeing kind of across the league, and there's an NBA influence to this too that people have talked about. And I've always been very much for players using whatever power they have to change their circumstances. But I think that this would go over a little bit differently than some others may have before. I mean, if it's a contract situation, you're saying, well, look, I mean, the guy's playing a very risky game. He should try to get his, you know, Melvin Gordon, for example. Terrible. Like, it, it didn't work for you, but right. I but I get it. And I get you using your power to try and get paid yep. as much as you can. A situation like this, though, I think would come across very, very differently to everyone if they lost the game against the Giants and Diggs said, sorry, not showing up next week. I mean, this would make him look really, really bad, but it would also probably mean, like you said, the end of people's careers potentially. It has to be. Because you're looking at this roster and it's too stacked right now. And we've talked about this. Father Time plays a tricky role, man. And there's only so many years that a team has chemistry together. And you can only keep the guys together so long before the band's like, hey, man, we've played this song and dance before. Mm -hmm. I need to split. I need to hit a different team. I need to get out of here. I'm too in a funk here. I've seen guys say, hey, listen, man, I would love to stay, but I just can't do it here anymore. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you know what? That's respectable. So how long do you have this team together? Not long. And you're paying everybody a ton of money. I mean, there are quarterbacks out here right now that are young, that are showing that they can do some of the things that some of the greats can do. Just win a game. You don't even have to win it anymore. Just manage the game. We're going to give you the ball, 20, throw it 25 times. Just don't throw an interception, and we're good. Right. Yeah. I and- mean, oh, oh, my God. I did think that last week some of the quicker stuff was working. The ball that you mentioned that Stefan Diggs fumbled on, it was a, a quick slant to him. There was another one that there was a pressure right up the middle that threw off Kirk a little bit, and the throw was low, but Diggs was right there. And right. even there was one to Thielen that was behind from Cousins, but it was there with some of those quicker passes. And I feel like that might be what they have to do here to get the ball in the hands of those guys. Is Almost everything has been, let's get the play-action deep shot. I'm looking at the route combination thinking, boy, Norv Turner, I'm sure, was proud of some of these. I mean, these guys are running 19 <laughs> yards. Yeah, it's very great. 20, 30 yards down the field. You, I've told Declan to write down Dino routes, by the way. It's a great one, and, and oh, we'll have you explain yeah. that at the end of the show. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't have everything going deep down the field and looking for deep shots all the time and have that be the only way you're getting your receivers engaged and otherwise checking down to C.J. Ham and Amir Abdullah and things like that. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly how how they get this solved, but it does have to get solved here this week. It's like it's got to happen fast, or this thing, as it's felt even after week two, like just going into the season, teetering kind of on the edge because of where we've gone in the Mike Zimmer era. I mean, usually, if you look around the league, there aren't too many coaches who even make it to year five, year six, year seven. And by the time you have, if you haven't succeeded, a lot of times at some point it just co- collapses. And 
I, this team is too good, I would think, to have that happen. But the way it feels right now is that it's totally possible. Absolutely, especially because of the dynamic of what's going on. Players are coming out. Some are, you know, hey, uh, uh, he's upset. Some guys are hiding it, and they're like, hey, he's upset. He's just hiding it. You know, you got to think, what's going on in that locker room? And what's going to happen? Because you're going on the road. And I'm not saying you're going into a hostile environment, but they're, you know, Saquon might play, and, and God forbid if he does, that team will be hyped up. I mean, they're going to be fired up. But you go in there, the first sign of trouble, what's going to happen? Because I know, I already know the answer. <laughs> I've seen what happens on dysfunctional teams the minute you something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a finger out. It was him. You're like, <laughs> guys, it's, we're, it, we're just switching sides of the field. It's only the second quarter. The media's not out here yet. They're like, oh, it's his fault anyways. It's, <laughs> it's going to be his after the game all day. You're like, dude, it, it, we didn't, nobody had any chance to do anything because nobody trusts anybody anymore. The coaches, you don't, you feel the, I can feel the energy from everybody. Mm-hmm. If a coach is down and like, man, I'm kind of pinned against the wall, I always felt pinned against the wall. Like you, the offense felt like we were pinned against the wall. If the coach was like, hey, you know what? We're good. We got this. We were like, hey, what do we care? Let's go. That's what you have to do. And that's why you look around the, those rooms and you say, hey, now it starts to fall on the coaches. Like, not only do you have to start scheming up some really smart stuff, but you gotta be really confident in what you're pushing. Hey guys, this is what we're gonna do. We're good when we get our playmakers the ball. Okay? So we're gonna start shortening all our routes up and we're gonna even start have really quick hitting dive plays, quick mm-hmm. hitting traps, quick hitting whams. Dalvin, you want the ball? We're gonna give you the ball. Rudy, you want the ball in play action? We'll give you the ball. Let's go. Hide routes are coming back alive. Everything has to come back. It's like sometimes coaches go, Hey, listen, we're gonna try and save these plays till the last quarter of the season. Cause you're like, okay, we're, you know, that's when we're gonna make a push and then we could roll this whole Rolodex out. And it's all these brand new plays that we can do. No, those plays come out right now. Hey, your best plays come out right now. Right, the uh, throw the kitchen sink at Go the other at team, pretty much. Got to. Because um, when you win the game, you're going to take that momentum right into Philly, and that's going to be where you win. Is that is that your best solution to this? I mean, you've been in locker rooms that have had issues and, and problems and so forth in the past. Um, how have you worked through them? Uh, I know that it hasn't always gone through them entirely. I was there for one of those seasons, but I'm sure it isn't the only one where there was uh, adversities and egos and problems and finger pointing in a locker room and i'm sure that some teams you were on got over it how do you get over it i think that it starts with the coaches you know and i I always remember like going back to like the san francisco days with harbaugh and there was a lot of things that i was surprised never got out and i think a lot of guys are and there are always things that never get out that you're like man i am really surprised it never got out there but we held it as a team because we were run as a team Jim always had the same philosophy. We are going to work as hard on Monday as we do on Tuesday, as we will on Wednesday, as you will on Thursday. And I promise the same thing on Friday. And everybody will do the same equal amount of work. And if you don't want to do it, you can walk out that door. Now, there were some guys at that moment when he said that, that said, I want out. He was like, good. I respect your opinion. You can go. Uh, They traded him. They got rid of him. We're good. Jim said, if you're on this bus, it does not stop. And once we went, man, it was a roller coaster ride. It was the greatest time of your life because he let the team run the team. He'd go, hey, listen, we got a problem with a guy. You guys need to fix it. What's the problem? He'd tell us the problem. Great. Got it. Fixed. Handled. Guys would go talk to him. Hey, man, listen, we hear you're messing up. You need some help? Who do you need to talk to? What do you need? Who do you, who, whose foot do you want in your ass right now? You just tell <laughs> us now. You tell us right now, and we'll fix it for you. And guys were quick to be like, you know what? You're right. I'm letting you guys down. I'm, I'm sorry. Because it wasn't a coach coming at him like, you need to do this. I'm sick of coaches and how tough they talk. You're not tough. You're a coach. 
Okay, sit down and draw me a great play. That's what I need you to do. I need you for advice. When I need somebody tough, I need the players to come around me and go, hey, man, this ain't right. You're letting us down, and you need to be more on this team. Like, I'm sure there's players right now talking to Diggs like, hey, man, you're really messing up, and you're putting a lot on this team that you don't need to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you want out, that's fine. Have your agent call up. You can go. But we don't need you in the media crying and trying to play this off like a millennial emoji thing. Like That's not what we want. We want to put this behind us and go into New York with a win so that when we go to Philly, we're like, hey, we're prepared and ready. just like to point out that you love emojis. And you, you know you do. And no, I only love I, one emoji. I have proof. <laughs> it's just the, just the side laughing funny face. Is that the I only one you it. use? The crooked smile. Oh, yeah. I I like to put football next to other things. So like you put three footballs all the time. All like, the I'm time, like, dude, yeah. dude. Every time you say that, though, I think football. Yes, football. exactly. That's why I do it because I know in everyone's brain they like football. Yeah, football. That's right, <laughs> exactly man. That's right. So it's like we do a little, uh, you know, text meeting here. What are we going to talk about? How are we going to approach this? And at the end, it's just like, yeah, football. Because that's football. that's what this comes down to, Alex. All right. Well, awesome stuff on that. Let's take a quick break. Um, there is another squad that the uh, Vikings will be facing, and then I've got a few other things. Uh, um, around the league that we need to look at before we get to another former Viking offensive lineman, uh, Jeremiah Searles. Searles. Yeah, one of the great guys that I've covered, and I would love to dig inside how you guys prepare for a matchup like the Vikings will be on Sunday. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Here you'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins, if you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Time for the Score North Download. Jonathan here with this hour's download. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season, you can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition. On demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or you can just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's the Minnesota Sports Rewind. And if you somehow missed it earlier today, Stefan Diggs finally addressed all those rumors about him possibly wanting out of Minnesota, and here's what he had to say about those rumors. I feel like there's truth to all rumors, you know? I mean, no matter how you dress it up, um, I won't be saying nothing on it. I won't be speaking on it at all. Uh, but there is truth to all rumors, I guess. So, Vikings fans, what's your thoughts on Stefan Diggs saying there's truth to all rumors about all the reports and rumors that he wants out of Minnesota? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Daniel Jones uh, obviously is a very, very talented kid. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's going to be a great player. He's got an outstanding arm. He's got good feet in the pocket. Uh, he moves well. He scrambles. And right now it looks like he's playing pretty free, that nothing really affects him. You know, he's turned the ball over a couple times, but it hasn't affected him. He, You know, fourth and five to win the ball game against Tampa Bay. He scrambled in for the touchdown and when they were playing a double-double coverage. So, um, you know, I think you have to kind of do both. I just noticed that Will Hernandez has pretty good blocking grades on uh, PFF. <clears throat> if only anyone had suggested drafting him for the Vikings offensive line. Uh, anyway, uh, back here on <laughs> back here on Purple Daily. Uh, I'd say that was like a two out of ten turbo snark. 
Like, oh yeah, sure, that extra cornerback is really what this offense needed. That was like a Fast and the Furious two. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a two. that was a two. That yeah. wasn't any higher than that for Turbo Snark, uh, Matthew Collar, and uh, Alex Boone. Now, I want to tell you, Alex, about something funny that people don't know about NFL players is that they generally, unless it's a star on the other side, are not sure of the guy's name. Like okay. it's uh, number fifty six. Because yeah. that's you're watching tape, you're seeing 56 over and over again. You're not learning the guy's bio. You're just looking for how he plays. And Everson Griffin today said he wasn't going to talk about Stephon Diggs, so we all looked at each other and were like, oh, okay, so now what do we ask this man? And, and so, so someone says, well, you know, what do you think of uh, Wayne Gallman uh, filling in for Saquon Barkley? And Everson is like, okay, is that a real person? Who is that? And the look on his face is like, what do I think of? Who? And he's like, twenty two. Is he? He's like, twenty two. Right? He's like, oh, oh, twenty two. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, he's not as good as the other guy. Dude, they like, push that. They push that a lot. Like, hey, we don't call them by their names. The coaches never do that. Like, they'll always be like, hey, if ninety three is in the A gap, we need to move down. And you're like, oh, okay. If, if Sue's in the A gap, right, <laughs> yeah. like, like they're like, no. Nameless, faceless. We don't want you to have emotions. Like, you know what? I feel so sorry for this guy. Come on, murder bots. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's terrible. It is, but it is uh, uh, more true than I want it to be. Um, So, uh, DJ, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. I guess those are all the nicknames I got for him. Um, uh, two Does games. He need any more? No, Danny probably Dimes not. Danny Dimes is terrific. That's um, he's played two games against two bad teams, uh, at least defenses. The Bucks might have a great offense, and Time he's off. won Time two off. games. Yeah. Did you just say that he beat two teams that are two bad teams? Because I think the Buccaneers just went into the Coliseum and kicked the and LA Rams g- face. and gave up forty points at the same time. Doesn't matter. They a do not. They don't have a great defense. Danny oh, Dimes okay, doesn't okay. have to play their offense. Okay, okay, okay. okay. All right. I thought uh, you said, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I did it first, but then to, tried to correct. Their offense, okay. your guy, Bruce Arians, is hucking it down the field. He really I, is. I had some turbo snark in my head this morning when I saw a Bruce Arians quote that said something about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, like, throw the best receivers the damn ball. And I was like, ah, uh, is that a good idea in football? Like, I don't know. <laughs> is that what we're doing? <laughs> why, we are? why isn't he handing it to... RB number 24 or whatever this is their guy in the backfield. But anyway, um, we'll just move on from RB that. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea who the running back is. I think his name is Jones, but there a lot of guys' names are Jones. So uh, anyway, um, aside from that, how good do you think Danny Dimes is despite you know playing two teams that are not the Minnesota Vikings defense? I agree. I, I don't think that they, this dude's like a world beater. I think that there's some other rookie quarterbacks that are out there right now, even some young quarterbacks in this league that are like, wow, that guy's kind of coming out of some shadows. I think that he was in a tough position. He obviously, I mean, you're coming off a Washington win, so it's tough to be like, hey, that dude was incredible. He threw two interceptions. I think the one thing that I like about him, and it's him and Shermer that I like together, is this quick offense. Right, it's like, yep. hey, listen, there's you don't have to, Danny, you don't have to do a lot back there. Okay, you're either going to go one, two, or you're throwing the swing route. Okay, that's it. One, two, you're out. And now we're getting Golden Tate back. So now the ball's coming out even quicker. Because Golden Tate wants the ball right now because he wants to show you how awesome he is. And he's going to try and run down your face. Like, the dude's tough. And he's got a lot of people throwing shade at him right now. So now he's really pissed. So I'm curious to see how he's going to come back. Isn't he perfect for this offense? I mean, to be able to just snap it quick and get it to him. Because he is uh, like a running back. He's so good with the ball after the catch. He's tough. This, I mean, we want to talk about like an Anquan Bolden type receiver, a guy that's like, you know what? I want to be in the slot and I want to run through the Mike linebacker. You're like, wait, what? 
You want to do what? Okay, trucks <laughs> alive this week. We got wax. We got taxis. Everything's up, boys. You're like, dude, I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> and then when you find out like he's getting the ball, like the quarterback comes in, they're like, hey, listen, Anquan's getting the ball. You're like, got it. That means that there is no chance that Cap's going to even get touched. I will die before Anquan <laughs> doesn't get this ball because Anquan helped open up our offense. But yeah. you look at a guy like that over there in the Giants, and you're like, man, this guy could really open up their offense because he's the kind of guy that's not afraid to smack a middle linebacker in the face and be like, hey, team needed me to do it. Next play, I'm going to run same pattern, but I'm going to catch the ball for a touchdown. Watch me do this. Like The dude is fun to watch, and I'm telling you, the shade being thrown on him by Percy Harvin is incredible. Yeah, I think, well, wasn't Percy Harvin trying to say that it was his fault? Like, that they got into no. a fight? I thought that he was trying to say in that video um, from Bleacher Report that Percy was saying he punched Golden Tate, but it was, like, his fault. Like, he shouldn't have been upset with Golden Tate. I like thought he was, he was like, trying to say. It was like, dude, I beat up Golden Tate and I threw him in a trash can. Oh, yeah, like, he did say I threw him in a trash dude, can. Dude, talk about Shay. Like, Golden Tate was like, yo, what'd you, why'd you got to tell him about the trash can? And okay. the best yeah, part was, you. like, Cliff Averill co-signed it. It was like, yeah, that all happened. Because <laughs> they kept saying, Golden Tate kept saying, no, it wasn't true. And then Cliff Averill was like, nah, it kind of did. It all, it all that's true. I was like, wow, dude. Like, If he's not pissed and ready for this game mm, coming yeah. back from a suspension, this dude is going to be wanting to take Kendricks down. Man, think about that. Think about getting thrown into a trash can by another receiver. Like, if it was a defensive line, you'd be like, well, Percy Harvin was not a receiver. I don't care who you are. That dude was a glorified defensive end that could catch the ball. (laughs) Okay, I watched him run down his faces. I loved Percy Harvin. It was a shame when I heard about him dealing with, like, his anxiety and his depression Mm -hmm. because I always respected him as a player. Like, the guy would show up on game day, and you'd watch him smack people around. And it was like, dude, that's a receiver. Yeah, he oh was he was in Buffalo for a little bit and uh, incredibly tough player. Like you said, not, not receiver-like. And one of the best parts of his highlight reel is all the broken tackles. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a little bit like uh, Cordero, only he was smaller. Uh, yeah. Harvick would just run through tackles. Of course not. that smoke. Not no. at all. And, and it was like Percy was kind of like, listen, I could go to the right and score, or I could run to the left and run down two dudes. I'm going to go to the left. <laughs> like, you, were like, I, you would watch him make this decision. I remember watching it in the coach's room like, God, this dude's incredible. I <laughs> love him. Who is he? I got to meet him. Yeah, no, uh, he's a, a great player and has a highlight reel that I think rivals almost anybody. Um, but on uh, to the Giants' point, Golden Tate, a good weapon for them. It all of a sudden makes their group of weapons around Mr. Dimes look pretty good. I mean, Evan Ingram is a nice pass-catching um, tight end. I wouldn't have him try to block Everson Griffin, for example. Um, Maybe st- Chip. St- little, little Chip. Little Chip, little chip not... Not Kyle Rudolph blocking Khalil Mack. Like <laughs> no. I just, I just want to keep revisiting that. Like, oh yeah, you dominated Khalil Mack. Sure, uh, yep, yep. I won't look at the tape. I'm well, sure you did. It, it, and not um, only that, but you look at this offense and you think, man, who's running this offense? Shermer. Yeah. This guy was with Mike Zimmer for a whole year, and not only was he with him, he was behind the scenes with him. Like when they're behind the scenes together, that's when you learn the most. Like that's when I found out the most about the coaches is when you're in their office talking. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly throwing ideas at them, and they're throwing them at you, and they're like, hey, do you think this is going to work? And you're like, I get now how he thinks. Mm -hmm. I understand how he wants to stop defenses. Now Shermer goes, hey, listen, I know how his defense is built. I know how they're going to attack us. Now i got to get my young quarterback the uh, the ball out of his hands quickly and safely. Like I can't let this dude get hit because these guys are quick, and how am I going to do that? Well, Pat Shermer's offense is like perfect for it. It's 
weird how this is setting up. Uh, you know, I, I wonder what you think of Pat Shermer, because I have a ton of respect for him. What he was able to do with Case Keenum was nothing short of remarkable, but also to a man, the players seem to really respect his attitude toward them. I mean, he seemed to, he's got the saying that, I don't know, I wouldn't call it famous, but he always says all the time, it's not the plays, it's the players, that kind of thing. Um, but just, I don't know, the, 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 the feeling in the locker room in 2016 toward the end toward him was like players wanted him back, even though there was the, the playoffs got missed. And then in 2017, finding ways to maximize players' skills and especially, who could be happier than Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs that year from the way that they were used? Even though they wanted to run the football, they still found ways to get those guys big plays all the time, and that's a balance they basically haven't found since. Right, and that's the problem. Is everyone keeps talking about they want to run the ball. Stop with the Mike Zimmer stuff, okay? Like When Pat was here, he was great because Pat knew offenses, and the reason he knew him was because he was a center. So we would go in his office and we would chuck it up for hours about how we need to attack a team and what we're going to do and what things are going to happen. And he would explain things to the offense and you were like, God, this, I mean, he gets it. I get it. All right, let's do it. Like it makes total sense. And then all of a sudden you start winning and, and you still have a coach that's like, Hey, I'd still like to run it a little bit more. You're like, dude, we're winning. Stop. <laughs> you know, and, and, to his credit, he got that head coaching job and they got rid of Odell Beckham and everybody thought it was going to be trash. I mean, how much shade did they take for drafting Daniel Jones? Oh, a ton, how yeah. much did they? And all of a sudden, now everybody's like, "Well, you know, I was just kidding. I, I, I didn't mean it. I was clearly playing." Now I'm, I agree. You haven't really done anything yet, right? You beat Tampa Bay, who has a fab offense, and Bruce Arians is letting James Winston just chuck the ball around like he wants to. And then you go play Washington, and they're not—they're the laughing stock of the league right now. But yep. you're still playing a an NFL team, so to be back there and. If you look at his stats, like 30 of his passes are within 10 yards. Mm -hmm. That is a Pat Shermer offense. Hey, we're going to do quick passes, and if those slants aren't open, you are throwing the swing route. That is it. Because as those slants come in, you're drawing the the cornerback in with you. And, yeah, you might be drawing a safety out, but you might get a natural pick in there. And then you got your swing route that's going to open up. Like he's like, hey, let's be efficient quarterback wise. Now, I always hated Sherm because he was kind of like, I want to get the running backs out and I get why you need your running backs out. But there were times in games where you were like, Sherm, could use a couple chips over here. You'd be like, no, can't do it. You'd be like, Sherm, could use a few chips or the QB's going to die. How about that? He'd be like, okay, we'll get a couple in there. And then they would never come, but the fact that he said that they would always made me feel good. <laughs> He's a liar, but there, I still love There him. were a few games where I can remember that they could have used some chips for sure. Um, TJ's and, dying over here, Pat. We need some help. <laughs> potentially in the <laughs> NFC Championship game, too. Uh, Brandon, oh Brandon Graham, pretty dominant uh, in that game. Uh, uh, but the uh, the slant drag, man, I mean, it doesn't get any simpler football than that, right? I mean, I just... Mean, and, and, you know, people laugh. They go, God, what a simple play. You know what happens when you make a play really simple and an offense gets really good at it? They become masters of their craft. Mm-hmm. And then they know, hey, listen, when you're running this slant, maybe you take it a little bit higher angle and then we really get a good pick. And then they say, hey, maybe when you run this slant instead of maybe one time we run a Texas route out of it. Or, you know, then all of a sudden the offense like magically morphs into this thing that the players kind of do on their own. And it's kind of it's a Pat Shermer based offense, but it has the tweak of a Daniel Jones and a Golden Tate. I like to do this. I kind of like this. Oh, it looks great, Saquon. What do you want to do with it? I kind of like to slow things down a little bit. Perfect. Let's do it. You know, it just it has that touch and feel of what you want it to be. And don't you wish that Kirk Cousins was the type of quarterback who could take 
offensive concepts like this and say those things to the players. I mean, it's like every great quarterback that you've ever heard of is in there. Farvis like this loves to tell these stories where he was like, yeah, well, why why don't you just try this? Why don't you do this? This is what I'm seeing. So we should adapt it. We should make these changes on the fly. And instead the Vikings have a quarterback who's like, well, I made the read I was supposed to make. I don't know what you guys are doing. And it's like, really? Is that what you want to hear from your quarterback is, well, I just made my read and threw a two yard check down. I'm sorry. No, I want to see him getting visibly frustrated with himself. Like, hey, listen, man, you got to make it better. Hey, guys, listen, this isn't working for us. This isn't working for me. This is how we make this better. What if we think about doing this? You know, I like this route. I like that route. Let's do some of this. Let's do some more of this. There's, there's so many ways that he could add on to it and sprinkle his own little thing onto it. But more importantly, Stefanski, you should know by now, like, hey, listen, okay, well, the deep stuff's gone. Let's work on the shallow stuff. Let's work on the behind-the-scenes stuff, behind-the-line stuff. And once we get really good at that and we get defenses to play up, guess what? You throw. We used to run this play, and I love when teams run it now because it makes me laugh, right? It's so easy it makes me laugh. And it's when you're you you know, you're throwing the smoke screen out there and you got blockers and you're letting your receiver make his play, and then all of a sudden you go to throw the smoke, but you don't. And one of those guys going to block just runs right by the safety. And you see it every time the safety drops, and he's like, oh, my God, touchdown. <laughs> and the quarterback just throws it to him. And it's so simple because, I mean, I remember thinking all the time, like, why are we throwing these stupid smoke routes? So dumb. Like, there's no point. Next play, there goes Anquan for a touchdown. And you're like, God, I feel so stupid. I, didn't play, <laughs> I wasn't playing chess. I was playing checkers. I get it. That's why they're defensive players. Roger, thanks, coach. Like you just, There's so many ways to make this offense so sexy. It's like they're refusing to do it, and it's pissing me off now. All right, Alex, let's take a break. Uh, you can uh, take a breather for a second, and we'll be right back on Purple Daily. We've got some buyer cells that Jonathan has put together, and then Jeremiah Searles coming up at 320. We'll be back here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I feel like there's truth to all rumors, you know? I mean, no matter how you dress it up, um, I won't be saying nothing on it. I won't be speaking on it at all. Uh, but there's truth to all rumors, I guess. Every time he says, I won't be speaking on it, I have said off the air, and yet, and yet you said quite a bit on it today. Stefan Diggs, we still don't know what exactly is going on, and Mike Zimmer told the media after practice today that it is unclear. He said, we'll see whether Stefan Diggs plays on Sunday, and if he doesn't and is available, I think that would be a huge mistake. Um because this is a big game for the Minnesota Vikings, and I know Diggs is being very dramatic, but BC Johnson is the next best receiver. So, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is it. Right, go, right, try well. All right, get out there, buddy. Time, time, justify that draft pick. Let's oh, go. God, here we go. Here we go. He's gonna. Oh, God. Oh, my God. They'll probably just be like, you know, what? we're gonna run it fifty-five times. Right. Yeah. Treadwell, you're still good at blocking, right? Yeah. Just fall in front of him, dude. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what? You got to think. Not that I feel bad for him because we've talked before about how he's been meddling in this offense and he has his hands sticky too, but he's got to be so pissed because he's like, you know what? I got one of the best defenses for the last five years. Yep. And if I could just get a decent offense, I could have been like the 2000 Baltimore Ravens that won the Super Bowl with a mediocre offense and a fabulous defense. Yeah. That, I think he was really envisioning that's how it was going to go for the next like 10 years. A hundred percent. And when they went all in with Kirk Cousins, though, I mean, I feel that was like, tough. I, 
Yeah, I know. I feel like we're going to go back to that a million times. But what I always come back to with Cousins is it's not that his skill set necessarily wasn't a fit because he can throw a darn good football uh, when he has time. But it was more of that part of it is when he has time and when exactly were you going to build this amazing offensive line with so many assets and draft picks invested on the defensive side. And the other part of it was the personality. I mean, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, these guys' personalities seem to gel really well with the rest of the team, especially Case and Teddy, um, from my observation. And, you know, then you bring in somebody who was just forced his way out from another team, right? And the other team didn't make that much effort to keep him, and his head coach took shots at him, and his teammate took shots at him, and everything else. And when you had this locker room in 2017 that had come together really well and gone to the NFC Championship, and then you brought in a guy who was absolutely not known for that sort of thing, that's where I felt like Alex Smith, and maybe you would know better than me, but I I thought he would have been a better fit, someone who doesn't turn the ball over, very safe type of quarterback, too safe at times, but that's kind of what Zimmer wants, and then a really good teammate. At least I thought from the outside it struck me that Smith was a good teammate. No, I agree. Uh, Alex Smith was a fabulous teammate. He was one of those guys who's extremely conservative, and hey, listen, if the deep ball is not absolutely there, I am absolutely not throwing it. Like, I can respect that, dude. Like, We'll check it down. We'll make it work. If that's not what you're comfortable with, we're not going to put you in a bad situation because that's what it, like a lot of teams do that. And you're kind of seeing that here where they're like, hey, we want you to heave the ball downfield. And he's like, listen, I kind of want to throw it down there a little bit, not too far though, okay? I want to keep it more towards us. I want to be real precise in what I throw. I want to have these really good routes. Like, That's how Alex Smith was. I want to run a route that the receiver's open. Like, I want to be confident when I'm getting it in there. And then when I'm really confident, yeah, we'll open things up. But, I mean, right now, I, I don't know. Where do you go from here when you're talking about this offense and you're looking at it? What do you, where do you start? I mean, this, this is where I'm at a little bit of a loss because last year, Sage Rosenfels and I went over in a million different ways the what John D. Filippo could have been doing better right. with Kirk Cousins and everything else. But now, I mean, I, I get your points about creativity. I think are correct, and I'm trying to make the point that maybe you need to use a little more D. Filippo influence with some short passes to get the ball right. in the hands of these guys. But aside from that, though, I mean, the quarterback's just got to do his job, right? Like he can't right. stand in there and, and fumble. He can't. Just Check down to CJ Ham. Like at, at some point, hey, hey, at some get point, off it's just ham. it's this guy. I love CJ. He's one of the great guys ever. But if Stiggs is wide open, twenty yards down the field, yeah. you can't throw it to you poor CJ, it to him. right? And then get yeah. him whacked by a linebacker. He wasn't even open. Um, but you know, when, when you're talking about like the, this particular quarterback, uh, he doesn't seem to have the capability to connect with Thielen, to connect with Diggs, to keep those guys on the same page, to make the the plays off schedule that you need to make to win games, to have the leadership to get everybody on the same page behind him and continue to push. And then you add that to the most fumbles in the NFL since the start of 2017, so he's turning the ball over and things like that too. I mean, a lot of it, all arrows kind of point back to the guy that you invested that much money in and... When people say, well, what were you going to do? Bring back Case? He wasn't any good. Like, okay, well, maybe that's true. But there were other options at that time. And I think that they needed um, a different personality at that position, especially someone who could handle two star receivers and a star running back. Um, I I disagree with that. I think that they should have absolutely went after Casey Keenum again. You think they they should have brought him back? 100%. And you know what? Zimmer should have said to Shermer, no, you're not leaving. You're going to stay here for another year or two until we get a ring. Mm. Once we get a ring, then you can go. How about that? Then listen, these guys are like, hey, we're buddy-buddy, and I don't want to lose a friend. 
I hope that we can still be friends, but you're not leaving. <laughs> Get it through your head. I am not going to allow you to interview anywhere. We have a great team. You want to go and be this head guy again? That's great. Win me a Super Bowl. Win a Super Bowl with me, and I'll let you go. Because we got a really good thing going on here, Pat. Don't screw this up. Because these opportunities don't come along a lot. And we just talked about this. Like You have a quarterback who is invested by the team. They're like, we really like this guy. He's down to earth. He's funny. He gets us. He's going to joke. We can mm-hmm. joke with him. He's going to accept us, and we're going to accept him. Invest as much as you can into a guy like that because the team will come around him and they'll find ways to make plays for him. Yeah. That's when like that guy becomes your X factor. And he doesn't have to be the best quarterback, but he's the best quarterback in that system. And that's Pat Shermer's system. Hey, we're getting the ball out of your hands, Casey, but you've got a really nice ball. And it's really accurate and it's really fast. So you're one of the best quarterbacks for this. So let's do this for another couple of years and then everybody can go get paid after we win a couple rings. All right. Uh, we will continue to address whether they made the right move with Kirk Cousins uh, as it plays out because they're two and two right now. They could possibly go on a run here and still be a really good team and make us forget about all this stuff. So uh, Jonathan has put together some other things uh, as it pertains to this week and and some different Vikings players with our buy or sells, which you had a lot of fun with last week. So I decided to bring it back. Let's do it. All right, Jonathan, get us started. All right, guys. We mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier in the week. Garrett Bradbury. Not having a good season, didn't have a great game against the Bears. Buy or sell Garrett Bradbury will be the starting center for the Vikings all season long. Hmm. I'm going to say that he is, but maybe shouldn't be. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) Wow. I mean, what are you going to do? Who are you going to put in there? I mean, he is going to definitely be the starting center. First of all, he's a first-round pick. You can't bench him into his rookie year, like, what, six games in? Like, God, that would be the worst confidence booster you could ever do to a millennial and not only that, <laughs> who are you going to throw? Hey, Eflon, we were just messing. Go back. Go go, go to the well, right. Well, okay, so uh, Brett Jones is not a great player either, but he, at least he has experience and has played in NFL games in which he was not a disaster and pass-blocked someone. I mean, really, like the, these numbers in terms of how much pressure Garrett Bradbury is giving up are literally, I'm not, I'm not like exaggerating here, they are historic in the era in which they have tracked pressures. For a center to be giving up this many. And like you pointed out, when you're putting people over the center that everyone seems to be doing now, I mean, this is creating a lot of problems for him. And I, I don't know, confidence booster to get benched or confidence booster to go out there and get whacked every single week. I don't know which is worse. But that's one of those things, too, that we had talked about earlier about creativity. Hey, listen, we're going to walk a guy up over our center. Boom. We're going to check out of our play then. We're not stupid. Hmm. We're not stupid here in Minnesota. You want to walk up and make us all go on an island which nobody in our team feels comfortable with? We're going to check out of something. You know what? This dude wants to walk up. Let's trap him. He wants to play games. We'll play games. There we go. I mean, dude, that's what you do. And you know what your O-line and the rest of your team do? They go, dude, this guy is out for blood now. So I guess we're either out for blood or we're not. So, so I'm either far on not. this train or I'm not. <laughs> so far strongly just- and not. No, no, I am on this train. Like That's the OCs you want to be around, the yeah. guys that are inventive. I get what they're trying to do. I am not going to let you do that to me. You know what? I should be the OC. That's All right. <laughs> well, you are on your kid's flag football team. so Killer, too. Um, what's your next one, Jonathan? <laughs> Buy or sell the Vikings, who typically under Zimmer can, are, are successful against QBs, will continue their success this weekend against rookie quarterbacks. Do they slow down Danny Dimes? Yeah. Ooh. 
Buy or sell what? Buy or sell that they do? Yeah, buy or sell that they can slow down Daniel Jones. It's kind of the point of the um, the, the segment. It's like yeah, no, so poor. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this because of one Fair thing. I, I'm going to say that I don't think Saquon's playing this week. So I think that their run game is going to be severely diminished. Yeah. I get that this running back's been doing some cool things, whatever. Uh, this is a way different defense. Okay? RB22. Yeah, the dude. 22 ain't going anywhere against this defense, okay? When you shut that down, then you open it up for this rookie quarterback. Let me see what you can really do. And I get that you want to throw these short routes, but third and eight, you can't really throw a short route on third and eight when you have blanket coverage and everyone's like, you're not going to throw it deep on us today. Right. So, so I think that I'm going to have to buy this one. You know, that they I, continue success. I think that I am uh, like half buying it, but I, this guy has a, a kind of poise that is really impressive. And the game that Sage and I watched together, we did a podcast where we watched film of the five top quarterbacks. And the game we watched of Daniel Jones was against Clemson. Now imagine the difference in talent between Clemson and Duke on the field. And he really handled it. I mean, he didn't have the most amazing game I've ever seen, but he didn't mind guys in his face. He didn't mind getting getting hit. He got the ball out really quickly. I think that's what he's going to have to do this week. I could see him having a halfway decent game, but not... a. 500 yards. In fact, during the Zimmer era, I looked this up, uh, no rookie quarterback has thrown for 300 yards against the Vikings, and only one cleared 250, and it was a game in which Tennessee scored 16 points. So, To, to add to that point, though, when he went to Duke, didn't the Manning boys go down there every like offseason to practice their throwing with their coaches? Could be. Like they were, they were always a- down in Duke. Like They were always down there practicing, with, <laughs> and they were actually practicing with Daniel Jones at one point. Oh. I mean, when you talk about a guy who's been around people, like, dude, if that was really true, like the Mannings were really down there and they were talking to the Duke coaches and really like really getting with them, that's incredible. I'm sure those Duke coaches are like, Daniel, this is what we learned from the greatest quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Like, come sit with us and talk with us. Let's learn all together. I mean, you couldn't have had a better experience. All right, what else uh, you got there, Jonathan? Outside of the Vikings for this one, this one's general NFL. We saw that Vontez Perfect got a year-long suspension. It's the longest suspension for an on-field incident in NFL history. Buy or sell, Perfect will ever play in the NFL again. <sighs> That's a tough one. I mean, wait, wait, wait. What do we buy? If you sell, we're saying he'll not play? Right. Oh, okay. What yeah. do you say? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with I will sell it then and say that he doesn't because if you sign him and give him money, then you have to assume you're flushing it down the toilet because he's going to get suspended. I mean, I, I always root for players who have problems to go somewhere and find their way and be mm-hmm. successful and things like that. It, you know, makes for good stories. But with this guy, I mean, Jack Doyle is on the ground. He's completely helpless. It's extremely easy to just tap him with two hands. And instead, not only do you hit him, but you hit him with the crown of your helmet and near murder the guy. Like, he just clearly cannot help himself when he's out on the field that he's trying to do damage that would have been appreciated in the 1960s. So I don't think that anybody's going to sign him after this. I'm selling as well. I I was... I was funny. I was reading about who he has to appeal this to, and it's John Runyon. And I don't know if anyone's ever knows who John Runyon is, but John Runyon was the right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. And him Great line. One of the most awesome dudes in the world, too, let me tell you. And he was famous because him and Strahan used to try and strangle each other every single play. That's right. And I, I can respect a guy like that. Like, you know what? You're right. It is. It gets a little physical out there. Go do you. So this guy turns around and becomes like the chief operating officer for the NFL. So now he's the guy you appeal to. Like, 
what a coincidence. The one guy that was like considered the meanest and dirtiest player turns yeah. around and works for the appeal system. I used to have so many appeals with him. I'd be like, John, are we really going to talk about me putting my hands on a guy's throat? Like, if we are, you just tell me now because I'm just going to hang up and you can just find me. He'd be like, Booney, don't go there. But no, dude, you started this, okay? You can't flip-flop sides. But when you talk about appealing to a guy like that, and he and I already heard what John said. John was like, dude, you're done. Like you don't you good luck. Appeal to me, you're not coming back. Like yeah. you are disregarded. Everybody else's safety. And not only that, but your own safety. Like we have to care more for you than you care for yourself. That's sad, dude. We can't do that anymore. And we're sorry, but you gotta go. And the, there there's no chance a team can bring him back. All right, let's take a break. Jeremiah Searles, former Vikings offensive lineman. Um he's Doing some podcasting now himself, which is very cool. So I love it. Uh, I love I, it, Jerm. I, I wanna I wanna hear from you guys about fixing this offensive line and talking about how you guys prepare for the incredible talent on the defensive side. So we will have an offensive line party when we oh, return. God. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. We're back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Jonathan Harrison producing and one of my favorite players to cover. And he was a Purple Podcast guest once upon a time. Former Minnesota Viking offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles. What's going on, Jeremiah? How are you, man? I'm doing well, guys. Just hanging out down here in Lincoln. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I noticed that you've been podcasting about your um, struggling Cornhuskers. Yes, I have. I've been talking about my sad Cornhuskers. Um, <laughs> Started a show on Twitch uh, every Monday night called Just My Opinion, breaking down, breaking down the games and having some guests on and just trying to put my hand into the podcast, podcast world and see what happens. All right, very cool. Well, before uh, Alex and you, I, I want you guys to talk about preparation and, and just the challenge that faces offensive linemen with so many great defensive linemen in the league. Because uh, you and I had a good conversation about that before. Before it was live on the air, we were just doing a podcast, so I'd love you to talk about that more. But I want you to first tell me what the Vikings can do better on their offensive line presently, as they have been struggling a bit, especially on, on the interior. So what fixes are available for the quarterback, for the offensive coordinator, for the scheme to help out offensive linemen up there? In my opinion, I think we throw the ball too much under center. I think that when you have a struggling interior three, especially with a young center in Bradbury, who I think is going to be very good, I think that you need to help them out and stop trying to throw deep balls from underneath the center. I think get back in shotgun, give those guys a couple extra yards, let Kirk get back a little bit be able to survey the field. I know it kind of doesn't fit with the zone scheme, but you can still run the inside-outside zone from the gun. It's not quite – it's just different aiming points, but I think that could really help our interior three that we just get in the gun a little bit more um, to help those guys stay a little more stout up front. Searles, dude, I have missed you so much. Hi, Again, sir. I got to know, before we start talking, you're in the locker okay. room. Okay, Diggs goes out there and does his little look at me show with his little hood up and all tied up fancy like a 12 year old, right? Comes back in the locker room. What do you do? Do you just point to the exit, like just go? Just exit stage left. I think, what do you, what, what I, do think do? I think at this point, you, you kind of just, you almost learn to expect it for every star wide receiver, right? I mean, Antonio Brown set the stage, but if you really want to even go back any farther, think about Terrell, Day, or Terrell Owens and like Chad Ochocinco, like. The receivers have been doing this forever. So does it surprise me a little bit because I've known Diggs since he was a rookie there? Yeah, it surprised me a little bit. I haven't been there the last two years. But 
as a player, you kind of just have to roll your eyes and be like, is this really what we're doing? But, I mean, it even goes back as far as everything's so public now. I mean, you look at Adam. Adam kind of threw a shot across the bow at Kirk on the other day after the post game, and then Kirk had to, like, publicly apologize for it on a podcast, which I don't fully understand. But right. I mean, you don't need that kind of stuff. I mean, the NFL hard enough to win as it is. You don't need the added, the added drama that comes with some of it. But don't you think that, like, Thielen, talking about Thielen, don't you think that that was a little bit necessary? Like, a guy like Thielen almost needs to step up. Because you and I have been in the locker room with Thielen, and we know how res- well-respected he is. So for him to actually have the courage to kind of throw that shot across the bow, don't you think the team kind of needs that? Like, hey, Thielen gets it, he sees it, he's going to try and help motivate this situation. Right, and the thing that Thielen did, which I thought was great, is he didn't take it as a put-down. Guys took it as a put-down. Guys made it seem as though he was like, oh, Kirk isn't throwing the ball, when really all it is is I take it the same way like when an offensive line coach or when a head coach gets up there and says, hey, we need more from XYZ position or we need more from certain player. It's not a, a put-down. It's not a, a direct negative impact on that player. It's a challenge. And I think that was what – I think Thielen took it more and spun it as a challenge to this offense. Like, hey, we know we have the best running back in the league in Dalvin Cook. We know we can run the ball for 180 yards a game. But if we can also pass the ball – they're going to be an incredible offense. And I think that's the way Thielen meant it. And people ran with it in whichever way they heard it. But the way I heard that was Thielen saying, hey, we need to make sure we can pass the ball because we can't always run the ball. But when we can pass the ball and run the ball, no one can stop us. Right. Talking with the former Minnesota Viking offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles. And I, I took that the same way with Thielen. I, I didn't take it so much as he was throwing Cousins under the bus. But at the same time, Jeremiah, tell me about frustration in locker rooms when people start. The way that Sage Rosenfels put it was kind of like thinking about themselves, thinking about my catches, thinking about did I do my job? Who cares if, if you know you did yours or not? I need to get mine. I mean, it feels like on this offensive side right now, it's kind of like teetering on the edge where if they don't get it back together really soon, that these problems are just going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, the NFL locker room is the most unique place in the world. Um, anyone that's been in one can tell you that there's a lot of big personalities crammed into a small space. And the great teams figure out how to make all those personalities coexist. And that's why I think that, for me, the 2017 season when I was with Minnesota, we were able to not put all that aside, mostly because we had to. I mean, we lose Teddy, we lose Sam, we, mm-hmm. lose, we got Case out there. And, I mean, you just kind of have to put it all away just to be like, how do we put a team together every week? We have injuries all over the offensive line. Defensively, we're kind of figuring things out. And so I think this year everything was almost so smooth going through the offseason. Everything was so smooth going through the preseason, even through the first few games of the year, that this is really the first time of like adversity that's hit this team. And sometimes adversity makes guys do weird things. Um, guys can turn into the me, 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 the I, I, I's, or guys can rally behind the leaders, which is what I want to see. I want to see the leaders of this Vikings team, which I'm not entirely sure who, who can take the reins and really wrangle these guys the way that they need to. But who's going to take the, lanes, the reins and say, hey, Screw the me thing. Screw the I thing. We got to win games. We're zero two in our own division. Like we got a long road to go just to get to the playoffs, and that's the ultimate goal: just to get in the show. And it, you, you nailed it. If they can't do that, then this season's going to turn away. It's going to get out of hands of everyone in that organization very quickly. I love how you said that because you're talking about how like you're zero and two in the division. Not only that, but you're in last place in a very competitive division that's built on really arguably tough... the best division in the NFC easily. I mean, it might even be one of the best divisions in the league right now. But you're looking at it and you go, why, oh, why would you draft a tiny center? 
sir, for the life of me, who would go, you know what, let's go draft the smallest guy to snap the ball. And now I have a question, though, because you said you think the best fix would be shotgun. For a guy that's getting pushed around as much as this tiny little fella is, I don't know that I would put the quarterback too far behind him because of where the ball might end up if you don't think, you know what I'm saying? I understand, but look at Pat. Pat Eflin went through the same struggles, and that's your Ohio State boy, OH, blow O. <laughs> easy, but, easy. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it, Pat had the struggles as a rookie, too. You were there. You, you right. saw it. I mean, that just when you go from college to the NFL, you go from blocking like, oh, I'm better than all these guys, to, oh, my gosh, these are grown animals on the other side of the line of scrimmage. <laughs> right. And it takes time. I mean, it took Pat a year. I mean, and then Pat had that ankle issue, and so he didn't have a full off season, so he struggled again. But I thought Pat's actually been playing fairly decent this year. And it, it you know, it takes alignment time. I mean, I'll never forget. Dwight Freeney told me when I was a rookie in the offensive or rookie in the NFL, he goes, "A true offensive lineman doesn't really start to figure out and get good till year four or five. Dude, yeah, and it's so just because lucky. that's how much it takes. Bro, yeah. you're so lucky I don't have a bell right now. I would have <laughs> dinged that bell so loud for that name drop. For what? I swear to God, Dwight that Dwight Freeney so name drop, you did not just say oh. Dwight Freeney said, where is a bell? Somebody ding mm. a bell right now, uh, I swear to God. Says the guy oh. who's always saying, well, Gosh. Frank Gore and me, you know, Anquan Bolden. I just talk that. about these I was- guys. Just about to say that. Oh, you're so full of it. Jeremiah, I, I want you to explain to people, because I'm not sure that they understand sort of what offensive linemen are truly up against here. I think we watch and go, hey, if the quarterback got sacked, man, what the hell with this offensive line? But um, I, I, it's been my observation that the guys on the other side uh, have become faster, quicker, and that there's a, a distinct disadvantage in athleticism from one side to the other. And now everybody passes all the time, so it's just all pass rushers um, on, on the defensive line. So what did it take for you to even get yourself prepared to go against the top edge rusher? I think you have to have a plan, and that plan goes beyond, well, I'm just going to go out there and set and punch this guy and play ball. Like You have to have a certain plan for each guy you're going to play against. And I remember as me going against a guy I would game plan, I would go look at every single third down from the season for that pass rusher. Like, okay, when, when this guy needed it the most, when he wanted the sack the most, what was his go-to move? Because you can't just be like, okay, athletically, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to mirror this guy. Like, for me personally, that wasn't work. For Alex, maybe because he's some physical specimen, apparently, <laughs> he might have been able just to go out there and ball. Personally, I know what I am. I know what my strengths and weaknesses were. And so I was like, okay, if this dude's an outside swim to rip move or a dip his, dip his hit move, like I'm going to take that away from him and make him go to a secondary move. If this guy's a bull rush move, I'm going to invite the speed rush. If this guy's an inside spin, I'm going to make sure I stay inside out on him. And then you kind of play ball from there. But one thing is like you've nailed it. It's a passing league now. These dudes, there's more pass rushers coming out of college because more people are recruiting and turning into pass rushers which is why you see the good teams in November and December and January, they pound the rock because if they're able to pound the rock, they kind of neutralize these pass rushers a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look what New England does when they get to the playoffs. They just feed Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead and all those guys and just say, run the rock. And so I think that that is still the necessary recipe for success is run the football, and then you have to hold up on third down when it gets to it. I could not agree more with you. I've said this in the past, that running the ball is so effective. And it, it you run the ball to get to the playoffs, is my opinion, and then your quarterback gets you to the Super Bowl. So going forward, you talk about this 2017 team, and you were there. 
Do you think letting Casey Keenum walk was the worst decision they made? Because sometimes people look high, you know, it's easy to go hindsight like, hey, man, Casey was a great fit here. You guys did really well with him. You could have done a lot of good things. But I think the notion was that they had to go sweeter, sexier, prettier. Like, they, Casey wasn't enough for them. Do you think that if they stuck with him, they'd be in a way better situation? It's hard to say. I've, I've wrestled with that situation back and forth as well. But you thought about and the it. main reason I – I have. And the main reason I – I don't even necessarily think of it as much as the talent gap between Case and Kirk because I really don't think the talent gap is huge. I think of it as far as where could they have done with that extra cap money? Mm -hmm. What other pieces could they have put around Case in order to elevate his game? What other pieces could they put around on that already? Right. On that freaking, that defense, which is already studly, like where could they have added maybe one more all pro, one more guy? And so I think that's where the difference lies in is what are you getting out of Kirk what you wouldn't have got out of Case for what the difference in the pay gap would have been. So what? So let's say Case went and signed what two years, thirty something down in Denver, correct? Thirty six. So I mean, yeah. okay, you you take yeah, you take two years, thirty six. You played with another almost fifty million in cap room over another two years that you can do a whole bunch with versus the eighty four fully guaranteed. Am I glad that that started a trend of guaranteed money? Sure. Is is it the best move for the Vikings? Hard to say. But the thing is, is you're you're now all in on Kirk. I mean, oh, Zimmer's, yeah. Spielman's. <laughs> I mean, you go all the way up. Those guys' jobs are now all in on how number eight performs. Well, it's, so, it's a great point, Jeremiah, to... because you could have also kept Teddy. You could have drafted a quarterback. You didn't. You didn't like when you get Kirk. He's your guy. He's your franchise quarterback right. with that huge contract. The door is now shut to who your quarterback is. With Keenum, if it didn't work out, you could have drafted Lamar Jackson, or you could have kept Teddy Bridgewater. See how his knee turned out, and then had him compete with Keenum, and maybe he beats out Keenum, and and he's your quarterback from there on. Uh, they really locked themselves into basically saying all of our jobs now rely on this man. But how much of that was because of the the actual NFC Championship game itself? Oh, I totally agree. I remember, a lot. I, I I think remember a lot. after that game where every single person was like, well, if we just had a better quarterback, we'd have went to the Super Bowl, yep. which is not true. It's not true. Uh, we, we, we straight up got beat on both sides of the ball that game. Yep. Like the, and everyone's like, well, if we had a better quarterback, we'd be in the Super Bowl. So that's all that everyone heard all offseason. But you all and I know that that heard. is such nonsense. Dude, we, it is. We, you it's and crap. I, we saw through that kind of stuff because that was our job to see yeah. through that nonsense. And I think when you're looking at this, you say, hey, listen, at the end of the day, they don't make the playoffs this year. Let's just speculate. Do they get rid of him and say, hey, we have to get a quarterback? Like, we just can't keep you doing can't. this to ourselves. And you not can't. only that, but don't you pay? think Stefanski should be even throwing a little more offense out there? Like, dude, you got to flavor this thing up. It's too old school for me to even like. But how much is, I don't know this, and again, I'm not there, how much is Stefanski's power hampered by Kubiak? I've wondered the same thing. If. There's That's a lot of questions I, who's I, running I the up, show up there. I mean, I mean, I grew up in Denver watching Mike Shanahan and Kubiak run this offense. You right. gotta, I mean, I, I grew up watching Terrell Davis absolutely torch guys, Clinton Portis absolutely torch guys, and what Dalvin's doing is very similar to what they did. Mm-hmm. The difference behind that is they had John Elway. They had the quarterback that could do these things. And that's why it works so well for him. So I agree. The offense might need to get catered a little bit more to what Kirk might feel a little bit more comfortable with. Because if you look back at what Kirk's done in the NFL, okay, he was with Washington, right? He was in right. a little bit of the same system in Michigan State where he was under center a lot. But in Washington, he was majority in the gun. Right. That's what they ran. with. They ran that gun scheme. And so I think that one thing about that 2017 season, I hate keep going back to it, but I thought Shermer, what he was great at is he played, called plays for his players not for his scheme. 
And you see him doing that up in the Giants right now. He's playing, he's calling plays that he knows that young kid up there knows how to run. He's calling plays they know Saquon knows how to run to where I don't necessarily know if we're very, if Kirk's very comfortable with the plays that are getting called in the past game. Again, I'm not there. I don't know. I'm speculating as much as you guys are, but there's definitely just something seems a little different. Something seems a little off. And the question then becomes, how do you fix it and how do you fix it before this thing gets off the rails because right now it's riding the rails yeah and uh when you're also trying to hit a lot of your pass plays down the field but your offensive line is going up against khalil mack it just those two things just don't match up and kirk is a guy that will see ghosts and throw it even when there isn't pressure because it's been there all day and he admitted to that um you know on wednesday he even said like well i started to feel the pressure a little more and went through my progressions too fast and that's how you end up with checkdowns to the fullback when stefan diggs is is running wide open so it seems jeremiah that all these things are, are sort of building on themselves i i want to know though i want you to tell us something cool though because i feel like we've really hammered on how you know bad the vikings have been but you have a unique knowledge of being able to practice against the vikings defensive line and i just want you to tell everyone what it is like to practice against Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin because these two guys are first and fifth in the NFL in pressures right now. And so if anybody's doing their job, it's those two. Yeah, I mean, those two guys are freaks. I remember when Daniil showed up my first year there was his rookie year. And I remember I was like, dude, how old are you? And he's like, 20. And you're just like, <laughs> my God. Like, you freak show, dude. And like just to watch him develop into the player that he's become is pretty special. I mean, I knew, we knew, I remember just watching him as a young kid. He had like a six and a half sack as a third down rusher as a rookie. And you're like, okay, this guy's going to be good. And that defensive front, I mean, you can go right down the line. Shamar Stephan being back, I thought he was a very solid three technique, not the flashy pass rusher, but he's going to get the push and he's going to hold himself in the run game. And then you talk about Linville over the middle. I mean, the dude's one of just a mountain of an individual who just doesn't get moved very easily. And then, so if you can plug up the front of the pocket with those two and then push it with uh, Daniil and Everson, I mean, and then you got you got a guy like Kendrick who's going to make every tackle on the field if you eat a double team. I mean, if you, if you, if you let Linville and Schmar eat up the double teams inside, Kendrick will make every tackle on the field. I think I was at, I was at the Oakland game, actually, and I was like, dude, this dude has like 15 tackles. Like, he was just everywhere. <laughs> he was a beast in that and, game. And so, I mean, that, yeah, he's just a monster. And so this defense is as good as it's getting. I think the biggest thing people are worried about now is, like, are we going to waste this good defense over the next two years because of the sad play of our offense? And mm-hmm. I want to go – Back to one thing right before uh, we switched gears here, which was talking about Kirk under pressure. Alex, you can talk on this a little bit. It's so important that early on in games you let a quarterback be comfortable and find a rhythm. And because when they get rushed and when they get early on in the game, by the end of the game their timing sped up so much that they have nothing left in the tank versus if they're comfortable and then they get rushed a little towards the end of the game, their timing's not that off. But, Alex, I know we used to talk about it all the time. The timing is everything for a quarterback. And so when you get him pressured early and very, I mean, first couple series of the games, it throws everything off. Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, we were talking earlier this week about how Garrett Bradbury, first play of the game, you get the pressure up. Like, you want to set the tone the first play. Where's Akeem Hicks supposed to be? Oh, on the right. All right, ISO right, the next three plays. I don't care. Like, we're setting the tempo over again. You don't like it? Go. I mean, that's, I, I'm 100% with you. I'm so glad you said that, Searles. Um, Jeremiah, we're uh, running low on time here, but I want you to tell me how this plays out. Do you think that they sort of get it together here and galvanize themselves and go forward? Or uh, am I in for a lot more weeks like this? I think, I think, I mean, I'm going to give Chicago its credit. They're one of the best teams, best defenses in the NFL. So I'm very interested to see how we respond. 
do we come out firing the rock 30, 40 times next game, or do we stick to what we, we – I say we – do they stick to what they know as far as they're going to run the ball, some play-action shots, and look a lot like the Oakland game? I think you're, this week will tell. This week will make or break. Is this season going to be long? Is this season going to be a turnaround where they can galvanize themselves and go forward? I think Zimmer's the right guy to do that. I've been in those meetings. I know what he says. He's going to get them ready to play. And it's really going to be, okay, who did the leaders on this team, who steps up and says no more of this nonsense in the locker room? Internally, this needs to get handled. Not through the media, not through everyone outside. Internally, the leaders have to handle and, like I said, rein in that locker room because right now there's too much outside noise. You can follow him on Twitter. He now has a podcast. I've seen YouTube links. It's wonderful. Jeremiah Searles, Searles71 underscore HSKR, presumably Husker. And I think you do get to say we. If you had a jersey and it's at your house and it's you, it's yours with Minnesota Vikings on it, <laughs> I, think, I think you get we for good. So that means uh, McCown can say we for the entire league, basically. Um, yes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, great to catch up with you. I hope we can do it again soon, Jeremiah. Thanks for your time, man. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you. And, yeah. uh, go Big Red. Bye, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Good luck, bro. Uh, Jeremiah Searles there, former offensive lineman. Always great when the uh, the old linemen get together. Let's take a quick break. Adam Thielen talked to the media after practice, and uh, I, got a, I got a beef. I got a beef I need to address. We'll be right back. Here we go. Purple Daily here on Score North. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download. Score North on AM 1500 is your home for Twins postseason baseball. Hear all the games right here on Score North beginning tomorrow at 6 p.m. when the Twins take on the Yankees from Yankee Stadium and again on Saturday at 4 p.m. At the conclusion of each game, join the Score North Twins show with instant reaction to the game as we take your calls right here on AM 1500 and the free Score North mobile app. And as caller teased before going to break here, Thielen did talk to the media after practice today and well he's blaming the people he was talking to I think i think the frustration is with you is is you guys it's not us we we're not frustrated we're going to work i don't think uh if you guys watch practice today we were flying around we were having fun and we were making plays so um i think uh that's a that's a media thing uh more than uh frustration from us because um yeah on, on you know after a game things like that you're going to show frustration but you know now we're worried about new york and and we're not frustrated at all Mm. Not frustrated at all? Mm. Should I read the quote from Sunday? Go ahead. I think we're just as frustrated as every fan in the state of Minnesota. We what? are more frustrated. We put everything we have Not into the offense. you're in the media, so that's the problem here. You're we, reading his quote. You know, we grind every single day and then okay. put a performance like that. It's so, so frustrating. So he said he was frustrated and then said that the media was saying that he was frustrated, which is true because we're quoting him. <laughs> and also his teammates get practice. Um, Alex Boone with us. Is that the end of that? Do you have like an extra read? I'm sorry. No, that was it. That's been the score north download. Thank you. Um, Alex, you you know it's just gone sideways when it's the media blame thing. I mean, this is like when the cornerbacks went rogue in Green Bay in 2016 and Zimmer came out and said, no, no, you guys, you misunderstood Xavier Rhodes' quotes. Like, okay, yeah, that's we only do this all the time for our entire lives. But just today we decided to start making up stories and Dude, misunderstanding stuff. It just doesn't happen. Don't go there right well, now. That is, that, is, that is so tough to say that. 2016, really, the rogue. But seriously, I cannot believe that Thielen just did that. I, mean, I can absolutely not believe it. It's weak. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you're going to be like, after your, one of your receivers was like, hey, listen, uh, by the way, I want out. Oh, no, we're good, guys. We're good. We contained the issue. We all had lunch. <laughs> great friends. He, he was just hangry. <laughs> okay? We had chicken wings for lunch. We're good. Okay? I know, I know about chicken wing good. day. 
Listen, it's chicken wing day. It's Thursday. I no, know. I'm okay? not even going to pretend it's not. It's good. It, it's, they bring it down to us every Wednesday. Dude, they had an apricot, like, uh, chicken wing. <laughs> oh, my. So then we get, hey, listen, side story, side story. We get into a fight as a team. As a team, we're fighting because we're like, it's apricot. And someone goes, it's apricot. Oh, apricot, yeah. And someone sure. goes, dude, shut up right now. And so all of a sudden, this big fight breaks out about what is it. Fuss goes like, all right, Siri. Is it apricot or apricot? So we settle the dispute, and everyone's even more pissed off. Oh, I mean, like that was like the worst problem we had. But like, but the wings we were, were delicious. They were delicious. So I don't understand how Thielen can honestly go from like, hey, uh, guys, what are we going to do here? We don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball deep. To oh no, we're good. We fixed it in like, the last forty-two hours. We're good. <laughs> and 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 nothing to see here after Stefan Diggs hours ago stood at a podium and said he was frustrated and all the rumors have truth to them. Come believe, on, buddy. I, this I is what PR. but this is what you do. This is what you do when there aren't other answers. Is my yeah. point is that we don't take offense to this as a media because we know we have properly reported the story as best as we could, but um we know what you're doing though. When you get yeah. to the point where you're like, "Well, this is on you guys." Like, "Oh, okay, that means you don't have an answer." Right. Right. I mean, it's you it, might as well just say no comment at that point. Sometimes I'm amazed at these people who think, no, 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 I'll get them. I'll fool these. I'll fool these dum dums who have only been doing this for a decade or whatever for all of them. I'll get them this time. See, guys, it was you. Did he think we're going to go? Oh, man. Shoot. I not, guess I guess I got to look in the mirror right now. He literally hit you with the hold my beer. Hold, hey, digs, digs, hold my right? beer. Right, I like, got, like I got this. Guys. As, as if hey, Diggs we, didn't already step in a giant hole earlier. Thielen's like, "Oh, let me say something worse." <laughs> we lost the game because you guys are tearing this team apart. And no, it's the problem is your comments alone are tearing yourselves apart, and they can't get over tripping over their own feet. Like he should have came out and he should have said, "Hey, listen, we're dealing with it." Okay. Yep. Yeah, we got an issue. Clearly, everybody knows Diggs wants out. And I told you before, this will not echo well in the locker room. Because when you want to jump ship week four, people look at you differently. It doesn't matter how much you worked before yeah. or in the past. Because before it was easy, dude. You were getting your yards. You were getting your catches. Now when somebody asks you to grind it out and go, hey, man, listen, you're getting paid $72 million. Take one for the team for like the next eight weeks, okay? Shut up, bite the bullet, and go block a safety and stop fumbling the ball. <laughs> But instead, you get up there, and you say you want out, and then the other Brainiac gets up there and goes, hey, by the way, we're good. We had chicken wings. We talked to Zim. Zim did a little kumbaya. We're not going to come down on each other anymore. You guys. We blame you for the last two losses, and now we're not going to do this anymore. Okay, you know what, Thielen? Great. You blamed us. Now I want to see what you do. I wouldn't have a chance against Eddie Goldman or Khalil Mack. I will. I will acknowledge that. So I guess. But you I know what? Didn't, nobody I didn't asked help. them to do that. Like what, that falls on <laughs> Stefanski. Then yeah. it falls on the coaches. Yeah. Do, you know what? The first time that I see Khalil Mack go through two of my guys, I'm a head coach. I go, hey, how are we fixing that? Yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't ask you how we're going to fix the other problems. How are we going to fix that problem? 52 has to go down. And you know what? Shame on them for not using the hide block more and chopping him more and using every single piece of his body. Hey, man, at the end of the day, it's got to be some part of guerrilla warfare. And you got to go out there and say, hey, we got to stop a problem. So I get that everyone's throwing shade on Kirk and the O-line, but a lot of it has to go back on the coaches. And I want to, re- I want to reiterate that because I think that that gets lost in translation. People go, well, it's on the players. No, man, they showed you what they can do. They showed you all the talent they have. Now it's your job to make that magical. 
Make that work somehow. How are you going to do that? You need to start playing a little bit dirty like Giro used to do. He used to get out there and he'd go, hey, listen, you see that guy right there? He's a threat. He's the number one threat this week. So what are we going to do? We're going to trap him. We're going to wham him. We're going to cut him. We're going to hide block him. We're going to do everything that he doesn't want us to do to him, and we're going to laugh while we do it. And we'd sit there, and we would laugh. And we'd be like, this guy's diabolical. I love him. <laughs> like, we had a play one time against J.J. Watt, I am not kidding you, where we didn't even block him, and they would have the fullback just come back and chop him. And they were like, you want to keep coming off the ball that fast? Keep coming off the ball that fast, dude. We'll, we'll just keep doing this all day. Well, we will, uh, we'll see how it goes. Just uh, give me your prediction for Sunday real quick before we wrap. Does Saquon play or no? Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, Vikings win. I also think the Vikings will win. Alex, this was super fun today. We had a great time, and you know what? I wasn't frustrated. You didn't seem frustrated. <laughs> Jonathan didn't seem frustrated. Maybe Declan a little, but not really. I think we're, no, good. we're good. I think we're you guys good. are making it up if you say we're frustrated. Uh, thanks, Alex. Great stuff, man. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you tomorrow. That was great. We'll uh, turn it over to Mackie Joe with Rami now. I don't think they're frustrated either. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.